Professor Peter Williamson, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. You're an expert on China. We're looking at David Cameron's and his government's recent visit to China. Does a visit by a head of state make that much difference? And there seem to be, well, French style, so many of them. Well, there are quite a few because everybody's now looking to China for growth. But I think it's a starting point. I don't think you should see these visits as, you know, netting a whole lot of deals overnight. But I think the Chinese do respond and appreciate that, you know, there's backing at the highest levels for an expansion of trade and alliances. And therefore, it's a starting point. It's one of the building blocks you need to put in place, but it's not going to get us the whole way. But already we've seen deals signed subsequently this week with with Rolls-Royce. It is leading to trade deals, and it has, if you like, oiled those business wheels. I think that's right. Uh, Air China just announced uh, a large order for Rolls-Royce engines uh, a couple of days ago, and that was on top of the deal that was announced during David Cameron's visit with uh, China Eastern Airlines also buying Rolls-Royce engines. Uh, I, I think the focus on exports alone is is not the biggest gain that we can achieve from this collaboration and closer links between Britain and China. I think thinking about winning in China and thinking about exports is not thinking big enough. And the real prize out there is the chance for British companies and Chinese companies to pool their resources and capabilities to win in global markets. And will that be possible? Because, you know, can a Chinese company work with a British company? There are cultural difficulties, there are language difficulties, there may be differences in law and legalities. What models have we for saying these business relationships with China and Britain can work? Well, I think there are a lot of the barriers you mention, and and they are real. But in my experience, if there's uh, market opportunities and strong profits to be made by collaborating, we'll find a way to do it. You're already seeing uh, some other countries doing this, and I was interested to notice recently the deal between General Motors and SIAC, the Shanghai Automotive Company, they're going to pool their resources and invest 650 million US dollars in trying to break into the mainstream car market in India. And their thinking is that if GM were to try to do this alone, it wouldn't have some of these cost innovation, value for money skills that the Chinese bring and that are very necessary in the Indian market. I haven't seen many examples of British companies and Chinese companies doing this, although. You do see a couple. There's one company here in Cambridge, uh, a specialist hi-fi company called the Audio Partnership. And it is taking its core technology and combining it with some uh, companies in China that have design skills about taking technology, reducing its cost, improving the value for money so that it can actually break into the mainstream market rather than being a sort of specialist niche for for uh, hi-fi enthusiasts. So that's an example of where a British company with strong technology is combining it with the kind of commercialization skills that the Chinese are so good at uh, to actually break open and, and some of the global market potential. 
And you talk about the problems of scaling up, don't you, in terms of the two cultures and the, the differences and the ability to trade with one another, China and Britain. What do you mean by those scaling up differences? Well, if you're sitting in an economy that is growing quite slowly, and unfortunately my own feeling is that uh, we're not going to see growth in, in the UK and Europe or the US bounce back anytime soon, uh, the problem you have is that you don't have the chance to experiment with a new technology, to put it out into the market and to go through successive cycles quickly enough. But in a in a country like China that's growing so fast, you can go through cycles of technological improvement, of piloting things very, very quickly because the market's growing. You can put something out there. You can see how the market responds to it. You can improve it. You can go down the learning curve faster. So it's very difficult to learn how to scale up and commercialize a technology in a market that's basically moribund. You just don't have the opportunities to do it. So I think Britain has a lot of interesting technologies. Historically, we haven't been that good at commercializing them. And I think by combining those technologies and skills with this wonderful sand pit that you have in China that allows you to experiment and quickly uh, put things out into markets, improve them, put them out a new version, uh, then that's a way to actually speed up this commercialization process and avoid some of the difficulties faced by the fact that we have slow growth in the UK at the moment, which makes that sort of commercialization scaling up difficult. And what are those complementary skills between Britain and China? Because you might say, you know, in that race of, of whether, you know, India is going to be faster growing, we share cultural similarities with, with India. You know, they have our public administration systems. You know, they, they know about us. You know, are there complementary skills and associations between Britain and China? Well, I think India clearly has a lot of complementarity too, and there's been strong in areas like software and biotechnology, so where there are matches. But one can't get away from the fact that China is the factory of the world, and therefore it has enormous experience in improving manufacturing processes, in taking a prototype product and re-engineering it so that it's efficient to manufacture, so that you can get costs out, you can get it at a very competitive price. And therefore, we've lost a lot of those uh, manufacturing skills in Britain because the manufacturing sector shrunk, especially in the sort of mass market area. And therefore, what we need to be able to do is combine our technology and product design with the kind of process design and manufacturing skills that exist in China in order to make sure that we can produce products which can uh, access the mass markets around the world. And, and those mass markets are going to be growing in places like Latin America, like Africa, like the rest of Asia. And also, as we come continue to face the issues of this financial crisis and its aftermath, there's going to be a big value-for-money market in the United States and in Europe. And so we need to get our products out of that high-end niche and into the mass market. And I think the Chinese can help bring complementary skills that allow us to do that. So we could almost say that we, Britain, are a developed 
manufacturing nation. We are the knowledge economy. We are the innovation economy, the scientists. And we treat China as the manufacturing base to develop those products rather than having them stolen off us by the US or, or elsewhere. I think that's right. But I think the important point to note that historically we've thought of all the product development and technology being in the UK and we simply source the manufacturing assembly out of China. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about China playing a role much deeper through the value chain to really take those prototypes that we have in Britain technologies and turn them into commercialized products. So we shouldn't think about designing the whole thing and just going out to China and finding someone that can screw it together. We really need to use Chinese partnerships in the latter stages of development to, to make the product extremely cost competitive and to also help us develop manufacturing processes that can efficiently make that new product or this new technology. So it's a, it's a much bigger and more complex partnership between British companies and Chinese companies that I have in mind that I think needs to be developed and not the old kind of uh, sourcing and assembly uh, type of approach that people have in the past. It's much more integrated, in fact. But, but getting back to Cameron's visit and his cabinet's visit, Vince Cable's visit to China, I mean, Cameron did mention human rights. Um, we, we have, in fact, got the, the Nobel Peace Prize as well com coming up. Uh, there are you know, a lot of problems on the horizon in, in terms of, of democratic rights, institutions, hurdles and, and issues that may be raised with China. Do you see that, that China will adapt and, and it will, if you like, democratise? Well, I think uh, overcoming some of these problems is a long-term process. We have to remember that China, in development terms, is probably where Britain was in the 19th century. So you can't expect, you know, all of these other problems to be solved overnight. And and they are making progress, but it's going to be a long haul to sort out those problems. I don't think that we can just wait until that happens. I think we need to be pragmatic in terms of the business we do with them. Yes, we can put some pressure on those things, but. There's no, it's not going to make China move in that direction on human rights or any of these other issues because we decide that we're not going to form partnerships or do trade with them. So it's, in a way, cutting off your nose to spite your face. In terms of democratization, I think the party is changing in China, and I think it's possibly wrong for us to think that where China will end up in terms of participation of people in the political process will be a kind of multi-party democracy that we know and love in Britain. It might end up somewhere else. So marks out of 10 for the Cameron and Co visit to China? Uh, a good start. I, I, I think 7 or 8 out of 10. But uh, what I emphasize is it's only the first in a series of examinations. So that uh, we can't uh, say the job's done. It's just uh, started the process. And a lot of other people and companies will need to follow up over years, maybe even a decade, to get us where we want to be in terms of uh, bringing these complementary skills between Britain and China together and using those partnerships 
not just to sell things in China, but to help Britain be more competitive in the global markets. Professor Peter Williamson, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you very much.